0: I mean, if I, if I look back to find, um, I mean, even today, you've got a lot of companies and founders who would say, great reliance now on board, you know, go into something else or figure out something else. But I think the idea is, you know, can we build this for the next 20 years or next 30 years also? Yeah. Um, so I think that way, is, that way is, I, think, I think it's absolutely right to sort of point that out.
1: the absolutely right podcast india's first graphology or handwriting analysis based leadership podcast every single wednesday we invite guests who are high performers leaders entrepreneurs somebody who has broken the the typical the everyday the normal way of solving the problem living their life choosing a career and has done something which can be inspiring Something you and I can learn from to claim the best version of ourselves. Now, if you look at it calmly, if you understand people and personalities are all about the patterns that we cultivate, knowingly or unknowingly. So when we interview people, we look at the patterns that are represented in their handwriting that talk about their mindset. Now, for many people, this sounds like an unbelievable thing to do. It is too easy to be true. And the show is designed to demonstrate how accurate this process is, how beautifully you can actually understand what's going inside your mind with the help of your body or your physical movement, which in our case is handwriting. Now, if you like it, if you don't like it, if you believe in it, if you don't believe in it, just give it a shot and the story of each entrepreneur or high performer or leader is truly inspiring. Today we have an IITian who has turned into a tech entrepreneur and runs a startup company called Find. Our guest on the show, Harsha, is a co-founder of Find, India's largest retail technology-based platform that works with more than 600 brands and handles 10,000 plus outlets. Their technology-based solution allows the brand to create a better customer engagement. has learned many lessons as an entrepreneur on his journey of nine years, and today he shares his insights and asks me questions about how he can become a better leader if you are interested in becoming a better leader or understanding what makes somebody a visionary this conversation is for you without further ado let me get harsh and get the conversation started hi harsh welcome to absolutely right i am curious so to much. know how you found the fine that you have found now what is what is the story
0: I think a simple story is uh, we've always been on the lookout of doing something of our own. So, as we, me and Farooq, uh, my, my other co founder, um, we used to work together um, and we were always on the hunt for ideas. Um, and uh, I think we were exposed to a lot of analytics and consumer engagement behavior um, where we were working uh, as consultants. And we said, let's do this for shopping because we've done a bunch of projects. For retailers in the US um, and we said you know what this is this is definitely a large opportunity even back in India mm-hmm. um, and the company that we were working used to actually run an idea competition um, the winner would get I think whatever $15,000 in second and third place and so on and so forth so we submitted this idea in the competition we ended up coming third and we got like the people's choice Award. so we got some $10,000 in mm-hmm. that competition which we actually finally put into a, a different idea in the electronic health record space
1: okay (laughs) Right. Um, but this was the idea
0: but this is the idea the idea is essentially how do you use data um, and technology for the offline retail environment Mm -hmm. to try and make the consumer experience better and also to bridge the gap between offline and online so that was that was the core idea
1: hush pause now please translate this in english for our listeners what does it exactly mean
0: so the idea was uh, um, see as consumers you were using technology much faster than how the stores of the brands were adopting technology right okay. so that was sort of one piece of the puzzle the second is there was a absolute explosion which, which in- means you know. could
1: go on amazon and look at products so, that- not just
0: amazon but how you would research um, for products how you would access information um, how you would share with your friends how you would discover products on I mean, at that time, Instagram wasn't that big, but right. Facebook and Pinterest and, and a few others, right? right. So, uh, so you would ideally walk into a store, uh, maybe having more information on the brand and the product than the store associate there.
1: That's true. So back in the day, like in 80s and 90s, the uh, salesperson had to explain everything. Absolutely, and absolutely. Walk in and you ask them about the features because you already absolutely.
0: Informed. perfect, absolutely, right? And and you would also walk into a store where you know what you want better than what the salesperson knows what you want. And as you said, in the 80s and 90s, it was the other way around. Right. So retail didn't didn't really sort of, you know, advance that much as fast as the consumers advanced. Um, And that sort of put them on a back foot Hmm. at the end of the day. Uh, So we said there's definitely a lot of disruption that can be possible out here. uh, And can we use technology to help the stores do that? Okay. That was a simple sort of idea.
1: But people also, I'm sure, in your field must be trying to do the same. So, what yes. made you the young achievers, the the blue-eyed boys? What was so different about your company?
0: I think, I think luck, honestly. Right? I think <laughs> uh, it was a. I mean, it is so funny. Uh, it is luck and probably cheekiness, I would say. Okay,
1: cheekiness. Um, it is okay.
0: So there. So it was. It was September 2012. Um, actually, no, August 2012. It's Bombay, so it's raining. Right. Um, and. Uh, uh, we said, you know, let's, let's go to Juhu Tara Road. So I, 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 stay close to Juhu. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were a bunch of these designer shops on Juhu Tara Road. Road. Yeah. And someone said, why don't you sort of pitch your idea to one of these guys, right? So uh, let's see how they like it. Because these are usually, uh, you know, designers who are slightly more edgy, slightly more trendy, slightly mm-hmm. younger as well. And hence the adoption of technology could be faster. Okay. So, you know, two dudes walking into a sort of, you know, hot picture showroom and, uh, um, feel like sort of completely out of place out there, right? right. Um, and we say, okay, you know what? This is futile. Let's just go home. So we're mm-hmm. standing outside waiting for an auto um, and it starts raining. So we, think we, 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 we can't, okay. you know, be standing outside um, and uh, and I have my iPad with me and I'm actually more worried about the iPad than anything else. <laughs> um, so we see a diesel store and we say, you know, let's just walk in here till the rain stops right. and then we'll sort of go back, right? Right. Um, we thought diesel is, you know, this brand where, you know, we see everywhere and we bought on Fashion Street and Pinterest mm-hmm. Street and whatnot. Uh, little did we know what the actual diesel brand actually cost. Um, but nonetheless, we just walk in We we'll say, we'll pretend to be customers. Um, and then once the rain stops, we we'll just go back out.
1: Yeah, you tried we, being a consultant and that didn't work. So, said, let's, let's try the, Yeah. We said, yeah, we'll, we'll, let us pretend to be
0: a customer yeah. till the time the rain goes away. <laughs> So we do that um, and sort of talking to, to the person who's trying to show us these five pocket denims and, you know, this wash and this, uh, you know, whatnot, and we're like, okay, yeah. fine. And then we sort of, you know, try and uh, we sort of strike a conversation. It turns out that the guy is actually the marketing manager for diesel. Um,
1: okay.
0: And he's just doing his sort of weekly rounds to get a pulse of the customer, pulse of the stores, and so on and so forth. Okay. So we end up, you know, showing him and uh, you know, pitching our product to him, uh, which is the idea uh, that we tried in the other stores right he said you know what this is interesting why don't you come meet my brand head tomorrow right so okay. I said okay this is interesting
1: okay. uh, which
0: is I said very very lucky lucky Um. so we go the next day uh, we actually go meet the brand head and he says you know what I like you guys um, I like your background you seem interesting yeah can you come up with something for TV um, take a week go back and you know, sort of show me some design some mock-ups and
1: he who said, was okay. this
0: who was so Yes, this guy's name is Deval Shah. Um, uh, Diesel still today in India is actually a, uh, uh, um, being run by Reliance Brands. Right. Um, so actually, life comes full circle in the last nine years for <laughs> me. Um, but uh, so Deval says, come, come after a week. I'm
1: smiling because we, I'm connecting the dots, which our listeners will learn in like five <laughs> minutes. Yeah, okay.
0: That's true, right? So so um, so Deval says, come next week. Give me an idea. Mm-hmm. So we sort of mock up a few designs and at that time, we sort of joined hands with my third co-founder, Shriraman, um, who is sort of designer by education uh, and by profession. And he uh, said, okay, let me just, you know, quickly come up with some mock-ups. So we took those mock-ups and we said, okay, you know, we, we, we'll put this on an iPad in the store. So we take off these, you know, A4 printouts, um, uh, which is in the size of an iPad. Yep. And we sort of take it to them. And week he's saying, you know, interesting hai, but yaar, kuch bada socho. You guys are technologists and, you know, you guys have studied engineering and kuch bada Okay. Said, okay. He's saying, take one more week. Take more Take one more week, but kuch bada soch okay. So again, go back and we thinking kya, kya kare, kya kare? a Week goes by. Nothing sort of, you know, comes across. And then uh, uh, we said kya. And, and then I think there were a few rolls of chart paper lying around in, I think it was my house or Farooq's house.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, and he said, yeah, bada such so what we had printed on A4 sheet, we printed on A2 sheet, uh, the exact same design. And we went in next week. We <laughs> I mean, yeah, so like, said, this, this is awesome. Why don't you build this? Instead of building it on an iPad, build it for a 32-inch taxi. And and that's how it started. So I think wow. just a, a lot of luck and cheekiness, I would say. Wow. So uh, it,
1: it, took you a few years to figure out the initial founding yes. and figuring out exactly what you want to represent. Yes. What were the challenges in that period as a startup, as a, you know, like a new company with, it sounds easier than it is for most mm. people when they mm. think about the startup world and people are like, yeah, of course, you know, you have this bright idea and then you go and find an investor and it is kind of done, which it is not. Mm. And after working with many, many startups, I'm aware of the internal struggles. Which were your top three struggles when you started?
0: I think think the first struggle was always to find the right team in order to make our vision into a reality, right? So I think that would be the number one struggle. And honestly, that struggle is there even today. Uh, I think uh, we continue to always uh, look for great people who can come join our team and help us build the company further. Um, The second struggle was the fact that while we were doing this, we were presenting it as a customer engagement solution for brands and retailers. And customer engagement meant actually different things for different brands. Mm -hmm. Um, So while the customer's decision-making criteria are similar, right? Whether it's price, style, fit, um, trendiness, all of those things, everyone at least thought brands that my engagement is actually different. Mm -hmm. So a Nike will think that, and rightly so, that the engagement is different from an Adidas, from a rework, from a puma. True.
1: Um,
0: and we had to constantly rework and redesign our front end uh, our, the way our application worked for different different brands,
1: as per their definition that, of engagement. As per their
0: definition of engagement. Right. So we were never able to create a, a template that can be scaled with with only marginal effort. So every time we would get into this sort of design, build, deploy cycle with every brand whatsoever. So that ended up not allowing us to create a platform or a template which could scale easily. Mm -hmm. Um, The third big challenge was that we were always sort of collecting money after the month was over. Uh, And unfortunately, I don't think Indian businesses are great with Mm -hmm. actually giving money. um, And uh, I think credit is a different thing. I think forget about credit union sort of giving money, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So we realized that um, A, we were not able to directly correlate impact uh, to the use of our product.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and the second is, of course, because of that lack of direct correlation, uh, there would be a lot of, sort of negotiation, even though the price is fixed early on. They so would say, oh, you know, my store said that, you know, this didn't work as well this month or, you know, customers didn't really find it uh, good this month. So, uh, you know, we'll we'll sort of pay you later. And that sort of kept, kept sort of rolling out. So we figured that that there's a payment which is an issue mm-hmm. um, and there's a scaling which is an issue. And I think those two were like sort of the big issues. So which,
1: people, payment and scaling were
0: three yeah, so I would say I would say people in the sense wasn't the reason why we had to rethink what we were doing. People just like always, uh, I mean, struggle, challenge, we're sort of always solving for it, right? True. Um, but the other two were definitely reasons why we were, we had to sort of go back to the drawing board and really think what we were building. Okay. And, and that's why it sort of took us a couple of years to sort of find our, our footing. Okay.
1: So, uh, tell us about why Reliance has come full circle for you.
0: So it's been, um, it's been close to about nine years that we started the company, uh, nine years this month, actually. Um, okay, we started okay. off, thank you so much, uh, we we started off with building technology for the offline world and with more consumer engagement. And Reliance um, was the first person through diesel that actually gave us a shot. So they, they weren't a client per se where it, where it wasn't a paid project that we did, but they gave us prime real estate, ground floor diesel store in Palladium in Bombay for two months for a product. Right? So um, absolutely high visibility. Um, and that really sort of set the tone uh, for for our journey in the retail tech world. Mm -hmm. Um, I think nine years, actually seven years later from then, and and for for a couple of years now, Reliance now owns a majority share uh, in the company. Um, And uh, we, of course, started working with Reliance brands and the diesel stores from 2017 onwards on a very different product. Mm -hmm. Um, But from 2019 onwards, Reliance essentially ended up taking a large share in the company. And now they are sort of owners in the company Along with us uh, and helping us build fine further, so wow. that's why the full circle where you're the first people to give us a break, and now we sort of
1: co-own um, the brand, support
0: and help uh, to sort of build this further.
1: How nice! Congratulations on that too, because very Thank few you. people who think through such ideas kind of figure out their exact match. So Thank I'm you. gonna ask you more questions about what are your future plans and all of that. But before we do sure. that, I want to get to your handwriting and talk about. According to graphology, what are the secret hmm. success codes that we can find in your handwriting? Writing? Okay. Uh, first thing that stands out when I look at your writing is the horizontal line in your letter hmm. T. We call it T okay. bar is long okay. and steady line. Okay. Okay. That talks about your willpower to fight through any tough situation. So no okay, matter how the, the signals look around, how people agree with you or not, if you are convinced in your heart, no matter whether you know, logically that idea is appealing or practically it is doable, mm. you somehow figure out a way. And okay, I think that is an entrepreneurial skill for sure.
0: I think definitely it's, uh, I mean, you're absolutely right in saying that uh, it's a skill an entrepreneur should definitely have without a doubt. Yep. because there's so many and, naysayers and uh, uh, and sort of people who challenge what we're doing um, i think that's it i, I but this is very interesting uh, <laughs> understanding that i'm getting yeah.
1: and also the way you place that horizontal line is towards the top of your letter t which means mm. that your plans are always long term so okay. at least five to seven years down the line so if you have to choose between an idea that will give you immediate results versus an idea which would eventually give you bigger results, you would always stick to the second idea. And people around you struggle to understand why can't you quickly monetize things? Why can't you jump on this lowest hanging fruit? You look at them say, "But why would you do that? Why would you not invest current time and energy because you have resources and you are still young? And why would you not do that to build something that would sustain us in a long run? Now that I feel I, I, I highly contribute that one trait your success, and also uh, to being misunderstood so much around.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you should tell my wife that. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I mean, if I if I look back to find, um, I mean, even today, you've got a lot of companies and founders who would say, "Great Alliance now on board." You should go into something else, or figure out something else. But I think the idea is, you know, can we build this for the next twenty years, or next thirty years? Also, yeah, um, So I think that way is that way. Is, I think I think it's absolutely right to sort of point that out.
1: Also, that makes you constantly seek the discomfort that other people avoid, which is beautiful and, you know, uncomfortable in so many ways, but you would always pick up that path which is not taken. Path that is, uh, you know, according to you is the one one should follow. And uh, okay. I would say keep you it can. up. Keep it up. Thank because
0: you Thank
1: you. Second thing that stands out in your writing is your ability to connect to other people. Because when you in your right, right, just look for the tall letter like T, L, H and see mm. how they're tilted towards the right side of your page. Okay. Okay. But every time you write in this manner, like we call it slant, the writer mm. with the right slant actually have the ability to connect to other people's emotions, look at it more empathetically. So if you're talking to a customer, if you're talking to an end consumer, if you're talking to anybody from your team. You mm. constantly try to figure out, what are they trying to solve here? What are they looking at? Why, why are they fighting so much about this particular issue? Why it matters to them? Now, These questions are interesting and you are not doing them today. These questions mm. have always come to you, even as a, as a young adult, as, a, as an engineer. And this mm. curiosity, I believe, is a key element for you to solve problems. What keeps you going? Like I think if I have to define you in one word or two words, I would say you're a problem solver more than anything else. So if there is a challenge, if there is a problem, you would want to come up with the shortest possible or fastest possible solution that hmm. can take the you know, overall everybody, the team, the organization to the next level. Hmm. And if you can achieve that, you feel happy. If all the tick marks are done, and if you think you haven't achieved the fastest or the easiest solution, then you don't feel happy about your achievements.
0: Okay, interesting. I mean, a funny story is, I think all till my 12th standard, my writing was actually quite, was absolutely straight. Straight? Wow. And it's only after that that I've sort of gone as a slant.
1: Now, let me just tell you... It was more for
0: speed more than anything else, I think.
1: Okay. Okay, nothing to (laughs) do with speed, actually. It It only means that you connect with other people faster. But okay. the straight slant means that as a person, you are more practical. You keep your emotions to yourself. You do not share your thoughts unless you're being asked. And when it comes to friendships, you take longer to trust the person before saying yes or no, which okay. was the case probably till you were 12. Uh, in your 12th time. Right? I think
0: that definitely was was the uh, was the turning point. I, I, I wouldn't say it was more open. I think even in school, I was quite sort of extroverted. I would dabble in multiple things. But I think the jump from school to say engineering college, um, especially staying in hostel and sort of uh, having so many people around you from all walks of the country across social strata, I think that was definitely a huge a huge sort of growing up moment
1: for me. People generally ask me that, oh, my handwriting keeps changing. How can it still talk about my personality? And the answer is exactly what you said. When we (laughs) change as people, and if handwriting is mirroring you or representing your mindset, then it should change. And that's why I feel this, you know, life change kind of situations lead to handwriting factors changing. Yeah, that's fascinating. Always for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I think while you've sort of definitely... Been very uh, flattering about you know what has sort of helped me. I'm just
1: getting uh, started. Come
0: here, I'm (laughs) I'm glad. I'm I'm glad. Uh, But I'd love to understand more about uh, you know how can I sort of overcome some of the pitfalls that I have. Like for example, I'm a super lazy person. Um, I I don't have too much of attention to detail. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, And I think in general, over how can I improve my leadership? how can I sort of, you know, during times, you know, get my energy and my motivations up. So, I mean, what can you help me? Uh, I mean, how can you help me sort of answer those questions? For me, for me? Okay.
1: So to answer your question, are you a lazy person or not? So
0: I think we, I am.
1: Okay. So we look at <laughs> laziness graphologically when your letter A and O are written in horizontally oval manner. Okay. If they're vertically oval, mm-hmm then you have the energy to communicate energy to get things going and laziness is not one of your problems. probably trying to find shortcuts could be your habit but i would okay. not say laziness is your problem just think about days where you are excited and clear about getting things done hmm. you think you're the lazy person that you think you are
0: not in those days not in those days for sure
1: and then there are things that you're uninterested in right so all the laziness comes only when you're not interested in doing something.
0: Understood. Understood. Yeah. So let's not blame the
1: laziness here. I think it's a lot to do with lack <laughs> of interest and lack of prioritization Maybe. for those things.
0: Okay. Interesting. Interesting.
1: Second point you made is I. you have lack of detail. I agree with that point. And mm-hmm. we look at that from the letter, lowercase letter I. When you dot that I, how careful you are about that I talks a lot mm. about your detailing yeah and
0: i can so, see it now being all over the place
1: <laughs> not only all over the place mostly it is towards the right side almost running That's true
0: it. absolutely and that is a
1: great sign of impatience when it comes to detailing so you do the strategy you kind of find that larger idea and you're like now detailing you take care of it and then you get super impatient with your team. You're like, is it done? Is it done? It's almost like a little child going like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? But you do that. You're like, okay, well, how long does it take? Because when you see something, when you believe in that larger idea, you want to see it as soon as possible, practically being implemented. And that takes away from detailing and I'm sure in the conversation when people don't get to the point, you get absolutely impatient. Just implemented, the same trait implemented in <laughs> listening to Yeah, the
0: I think absolutely right. I think definitely, I think there is an impatience uh, and I think goes back to the sort of problem solving. But also I think that sometimes once the problem is solved, I'm like, okay, so, I mean, I'm less bothered about the details for that. Now when this part your wife should one.
1: not listen to. <laughs>
0: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: <laughs> so I want to connect these two parts to your leadership style to begin with, mm. and we'll go in in detail on that part. But somebody who gets impatient with people who want to get to the next idea, most of the time, people around you are running on a treadmill or running around you just to keep up with you. I don't mm. think that is necessarily a bad idea, as long okay. as they're convinced about where they are going. Mm -hmm. only Mm -hmm. challenge happens when people can't see the vision that you have in mind. And for you, it becomes an obvious thing. So I see that with many visionary people. So as leaders, you hold on to the plan, which is say seven years, 10 years down the line, you want that to come true. And Mm -hmm. every step that you're taking is towards that larger idea. Somebody Mm -hmm. who's around you, whose vision is say for two or three years ahead of time, they only look at it in shorter span. Because you do not break down the larger idea, and translate it in the manner they can understand, they run because you expect them to. Versus people who are running because they're convinced about the larger idea. But that translation obviously requires a bit of patience to break it down, understand what they understand, and then you know probably weave the story in their language. Mm. It takes efforts and time. But if you spend that time and energy, it becomes theirs. And people then start owning up to the actions, which I feel is a is a little gap currently you must be experiencing as a leader.
0: Uh, I mean, right? I think uh, uh, mixed mixed bag there. I think definitely for for those who um, whom you would ask, they would definitely say that I am an impatient leader for sure. Um, that uh, um, there would be times where I would sort of give them their freedom but i think there would come a point where I post that i would just like okay this is just not going at the pace that i expect it to and post that i would just like keep sort of either pulling them or pushing them and say no this is, has to happen faster 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 i i think you're absolutely right on that i think one challenge is that i uh, mean this again goes back to the same sort of leadership uh um challenge and you know working with teams that sort are of managing teams is that there's a diverse set of teams that i manage currently right um and again, different roles, different functions, different capabilities, uh, different levels, uh, whatever. I think somewhere figuring out a balance uh, approach doesn't really work because it has to be a specific approach to each individual and of each team. And then to sort of ensure that there is, there is a way in which the asynchronous growth of teams, where sort of one team grows faster than the other team or even one individual sort of moving faster than the other individual and how do you sort of bridge that gap because I mean I finally believe that um, the organization is as strong as its weakest link or the organization moves as fast as its slowest person um, and, and just like sort of getting everyone to move at at a good pace I think that that's one challenge that I face across the different teams that I that I look at.
1: So before I even understand what kind of challenges is that I would say no matter how fast your teams run for you they would always be slower than you expect them to run okay so the very moment you will understand that you will be frustrated but at the same time you'll have that awareness that i'm not only frustrated because they are slow i'm frustrated mm. because i believe this can be done faster i right?
0: Understood. okay yeah yeah i i think i will feel right on that
1: <laughs> so if you have two kids one say a two-year-old and another one is say seven years old and you want to want them to run faster then you understand the two-year-old will run faster as per his or her capacity in the seven seminar. Right. Now, if you keep comparing or if you keep comparing them with the ideal speed, it will only lead to more and more frustration.
0: Hmm. Got so it. Got I it. think
1: walking into the situation with that awareness by itself that I am going to find people slower, no matter what, will give you a little bit more breather for them to catch up. Understood.
0: Understood. Second point yeah.
1: here, I feel is when you look at a project, Because Mm. you think in systems, when you think in creating a solution that can be applicable everywhere, you try to standardize the solution, which is a great thing, which is your strength when it comes to your actual product. But people cannot be standardized and I, all the people can vouch for that. (laughs) So a part of it can be standardized and you'll always have that extra room that you have to create for each individual.
0: Mm. I
1: feel that thinking is lacking. Mm. Mm. in a way being a great product designer that you are you think about people like parts of this puzzle as products mm. and mm. if we question that assumption and if we go in saying that okay there is this black and white area where everybody can have consensus but there is that gray area or blue yellow all other colors mm. i think
0: uh I, I think i can definitely sort of uh, relate to what you're saying
1: um over to you hush your turn to ask questions
0: I think um, there are definitely these bouts of sort of low energy and sort of lack of motivation, and you know any specific way that I can I, I can overcome that, especially during you know times where I have to do things which are uninterested, which I'm uninterested in, right? Okay. Uh, how do I overcome the sort of low self motivation pieces there?
1: So I talk about this to this is our listeners, it's not only about, uh, you know, you being uninterested in one area, but anytime we feel that this is boring, this is absolutely not interesting, in terms of in, not intellectually stimulating, Or but I have to do like paperwork, taxation, or for other hmm. people cooking, whatever that is. Hmm. Now, a simple tool that we can use is involving all five senses. Hmm. Which means that we try to understand stimulation only as an intellectual aspect of it. Hmm. But the very moment we start involving five senses, we start finding different connection. Hmm. So the quickest way to do it is grounding, as we call it, and figuring out, okay, right now, though I'm doing whatever paperwork I'm doing, what textures am I experiencing? What smell I can hmm. do? And you know, it may sound like a mindful thing. Uh, right. exercise and like, yeah, right. As if it works, even if you have the doubt. And I'm also saying this for our listeners, try it out. See how involving your okay. body can create that shift. Now, lots of workouts, you know, when people do any form of workout, if they involve all five senses in that workout, it becomes way more effective. Like they say, they constantly say that about yoga practices. Okay, if you're doing yoga practice, make sure that you breathe and you, you know, see your body moving and all that. Basically, bringing your body. Mm -hmm. So that is one quick way of going about. Because I'm also saying this to you because if I look at your handwriting, it is predominated by the challenges and you know problem solving and intellectual. concerns that can keep you on your toes now when somebody Mm. is so engaged only in the cognitive part of their their work then physicality feels like boring and slowing you down which Mm. may or may not be true if you practice these five senses every single day and second thing which i feel is more Mm. relevant for you is figuring out the why behind that what so mm. we lose interest when we do not see what is my reason of doing this. If someone else can achieve it, why should I do it? If mm. I don't have anything to learn here, why should I waste my time? If So if we kind of take a moment and instead of just dragging our feet and going about things because we have to, if you create your problem statement that you wish to mm. solve, Hmm. If you come up with like, you know, it could be something that is only concerning you. And I'll give you completely unrelated example. I don't know whether you cook or not, but I didn't for hmm. the longest time. And I went into the kitchen for the first time, I think two, three years ago. And hmm. when I looked at it as a, as a hobby and not as a necessity, I could look at my challenge as getting that exact sambar recipe. And mm. for other people, it's like just cooking sambar. What's the big deal? Why are you making like you know, mm. such a coaching process out of it? But it is mm. not. It's such a mundane activity. And because I wasn't interested before that, when mm. I broke it down and tried creating my standard, my challenge in that, it became a different experience altogether. Interesting.
0: Interesting. So if you're doing
1: the paperwork that you're not interested in, probably make a mathematical puzzle out of it and see how can you organize it in a manner or how can you solve this puzzle in the way other people don't do it or try to have time bound challenge whatever works for you but when you gamify such things then you're playing the game and not necessarily doing the so-called boring work and i think that
0: got it i'm going to try that tomorrow for sure
1: (laughs) (laughs) how you find that
0: absolutely Absolutely.
1: So, Harsha, I ask this question to every single guest that we get and we get some amazing people who are, you know, from hmm. being Guinness World Book Record holders to, you know, great leaders. If our listeners got to learn certain things from you, if there are three lessons that you think are really, really important, what would hmm. they be?
0: So, I think there are, uh, there are definitely the top three things that at least I feel um, I feel I would, I strive to sort of, Follow. And I think these are, these have all been sort of put forth more or sort of better by, by sort of others and sort of borrowed, less you know, sort of terminology and language for it. Um, but I do relate to that very often and um, and sort of always felt um, the undercurrent of that in whatever I'm doing. I think the first is this concept of, of an infinite game, right? Um, I think as as kids growing up, we've always, you know, grown around sports um, or, the way our education system is, is always sort of towards a particular exam, right? Um, and I think everywhere what uh, or one can sort of synthesize those into are uh, what you call as finite games that have very specific boundary conditions, very specific players, very specific win, win lose scenarios. And uh, there's an. And rules with, to play by. And rules to play with. There is an objective scoring mechanism. Uh, there's a definite end time, and so on and so forth. But for um, the last nine years of sort of you know running a company, um, I think it's very clear that you know what people talk about sports should not be sort of applicable uh, to life. And I think life is more an infinite game, uh, where there are no boundary conditions, where there are no specific players, where there can be win-win, win-lose and lose lose scenarios altogether. There it's are no so sort of objective.
1: This is so interesting that you say last three <laughs> guests who are also very active in their sports career or hobby spoke about the correlation between sports and life, and right. you here on the contrary talking about how it is not related and how you go to I think, be different. That's amazing.
0: I think, I think I think I think what you can sort of correlate definitely is uh, sort of breaking up your life into those bite-sized pieces. But but even that sort of doesn't give you a complete picture. I mean you you can't you can't sort of create, I mean, the map for the territory sort of will lose a lot of details there. Um, and I think a few things that sort of sport teaches us where, you know, especially when you've got finite resources, mm-hmm. um, how do you sort of choose a team out of finite resources, right? Uh, when you've got um, adversity or you've got to bounce back or more importantly, have you got to continuously improve yourself. So I think those are there, but I don't think you can live your life based on that. I think, I mean, you've got to, you've got to inco- sort of acknowledge and be cognizant of the fact that life is an infinite game, mm-hmm. um, and and I think when I sort of read that, it sort of made so much more sense. I mean, earlier people would would you know say at best that you know life is not a sprint it's a marathon, right? right? Because they would try and sort of elongate the timeline and sort of that. And I am a marathon runner, so um, I I I did sort of you know um, uh, um, did I did sort of relate to that. But the moment I sort of heard about the concept of the infinite game. I think that sort of struck a sort of. Can you give us so, an
1: example here? How can you? How do you implement this in finite game in a business situation?
0: Okay, so I think um, let's take a simple thing on a day-to-day basis, right? So we, um, I run. I run the business development, and the sales team at Find, uh, and I think a lot of times you know, sales would be said, you just have to close, close, close at whatever price that's possible, and so on and so forth. And you know, if you lose this deal, it's gone, and you know, your competitor will get it, and so on and so forth. Um, and I think over time, what we've seen is is that we would have stuck to a certain principles of ours. Something like, you know, we will not do it under cost, right? I mean, we definitely will make money on everything we do. We will not do it for the wrong reasons. We will not sort of overcome it just to sort of win the deal and so on and so forth. And you've seen that three or four years four years later, sort of client comes back to us and says, that, hey, you know what, guys, I did choose someone else over you three years ago because they were cheaper. Uh, and, you know, they said that they will do these three, four things also for me, which you said that you will not do. But I'd rather now work with you guys because, you know, you guys, rather than, a, being the cheapest or, you know, over-promising it, you guys sort of went down and ensured that, you know, you've done the basics right. And and hence, I know that, you know, you are more expensive than my current um, sort of partner, but I'll still choose you guys. So, so what, think, you're saying,
1: what you're saying is also, it may look like that you're losing in the current game, but because right. it's an infinite game, you're not absolutely losing.
0: Absolutely. So mm-hmm. I would say, I mean, that's sort of, you know, one way of doing that. I mean, the second is, sort of in, in the whole product development life cycle. Right? Everyone says, hey, you know what, we'll do this feature and the customer will sort of, you know, get engaged or the customer will acquire millions of the customers just by doing these things. But there's no sort of, you know, end to a product. I mean, there's a version one, two, three, and they'll, and they'll keep going. I think mm-hmm. Facebook is on version 200 and something or 700 mm-hmm. and something. I forget, but, uh, you know, that's the other sort of play, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you just have to keep going on and on. So I would say that sort of, the two examples of the infinite game that sort of comes to me. Okay. Point number two. Point number two was, um, I think, slightly closer to sports, I would say. And that was more in the sort of continuously improving yourself on a daily basis. Um, So, of course, um, again, there's a dichotomy here that I think change is triggered in a step function in the sense that, um, and I think those who have studied chemistry, can relate to the concept of activation energy where um, there needs to be a threshold beyond which uh, a, a reaction has to happen right just, just um, to break
1: it down in a simpler example we can say the boiling point of the water is 100 degrees and anything right. like that is not boiling and anything above that is steaming so it's not boiling
0: absolutely so absolutely there has to be so think, a
1: specific condition that you right do.
0: so so you've got to sort of change will happen um, or at least Impact is visible. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say change will happen, but I'm saying the impact is visible uh, only in step functions. But however, to achieve change, you need to do everything on a daily basis, right? right? Wow. Wow. So That's I would so say powerful.
1: that. So uh, I also like the analogy where you saying <laughs> that it is only when you reach the threshold other people will realize. But right. you don't have to wait for that for you to take every actions. That's amazing.
0: Absolutely. Um, uh, of course, this is not applicable to me, not going to the gym every day. But uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, but but I would say and, and sort of linking that to you know the the concept of sort of continuous self improvement, where every day you should try and be better. And you know, there's this poster in our office which says that you know one plus one percent raised to three hundred and sixty five, essentially saying that you know you improve one percent every day is equal to two and one minus one percent is to 365 is equal to sort of 0.5 so i think the idea is that if you can just you know improve yourself by one percent every day you're going to be twice as better as what you are today next year Um, and i think that's where uh, that is sort of second concept of of continuous self-improvement that i would take
1: i think that's that's so so important and because people forget that because they wait for the results to show up immediately, they move away from the process and only wait for the results. So large. I mean,
0: in, in, in sort of financial terms, you would say, you know, do an SIP, right. You know, yeah. don't wait for, you know, Oh, once I get so many lakhs, I'll invest in the market. No, I mean, if you have to do in you know, a thousand rupees every month, just do that. Every SIP, day, right? so whatever possible. Every day, whatever possible. Right. So I think, I think, I think it sort of comes, comes down to that. But yeah, it, it's a, the concept of sort of continuous self-improvement um, that is there, and, Brilliant. and I mean, for that, I would treat work as sports uh, because I can sort of, you know, in sports you you you're constantly looking to improve on a daily basis. Um, um, but yeah, I mean,
1: so harsh. Uh, sort of on a personal level, too. how do you how do you evaluate your personal growth? What do you do exactly?
0: So I think one is uh, I think expose myself to sort of as much of sort of um, um, as many things as possible. So I think, you know, the idea of, again, range. So I think, you know, David Epstein has it in a book called Range, um, which again talks about uh, how exposing someone to as many situations as possible, absolutely unrelated or related, um, will just help the person open the sort of their mindset just a little bit more and you would not know where you'll end up learning uh, new things from. So I would say, I think um, exposing myself to as many things as possible on a daily basis so if would you have be to something give that.
1: Give an example that when people travel and they see different cultures and different you know point of views of people' right. lives, they get like more open, and you never know how that leads. No, to. No, absolutely, and
0: and and it's not just those things. Like even when you're traveling, like I mean, for example, I love always going to an observation deck, right? So I mean, everyone does, right? You want to see some from a high point, but I love doing that both during the day and the night. So, I mean, I get to see not just how a city looks or a place looks during the day, but also how it looks during the night as well. Um, and and it is that you do yeah, everything.
1: I'm I'm, I'm I'm thinking about every time I have gone on an observation deck, uh, deck I only observe people and I'm like, you know, how excited they are, how they're relating Absolutely. to this. So it's like a treat for me to watch people right. in that engaging activity and I can spend hours there. But I, I hear you, like, you know, different kind of... Uh, perspective yeah, from so
0: the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? So, I mean, different perspectives from the same, same vantage point. So I think just this developing range is sort of one thing. So I would, like I said, do as many things that I can during the day. Um, I think second, second piece would be uh, I've, I've actually kind of made a list of people that I want to talk to at least, you know, once a week. Right. So, uh, and you know, these are people whom I've known over the last few years, I've just not been in touch with. and. Uh, I'm sort of pushing myself to say, you know, I I need to at least talk to one one person whom I haven't spoken to at least in the last couple of years every week, uh, right? So, I mean, again, it, um, I mean, it's like a no agenda catch-up, but uh, just like sort of helps you, again, A, of course, get back in touch with that person, sort of rekindle um, uh, a sort of lost relationship per se, um, but also just sort of understanding their point of view because that person's also changed the last, you know, since the last time you met them. And you know just a very different view that they would give you, um, so I would say that would that would be the sort of second thing that I try to do and i think the, i I think the third thing that I try to do is um, is to try and um you know get myself involved in sort of different different things so um I'm kind of the secretary of my sort of building as well society uh, and I don't know why I took it on, but I mean <laughs> inside sure. I learned something, you know, different, but uh, I mean, just like, it, it just, I, I just wanted to be involved in it. So, I mean, it, it was just that. So I would say that would be sort of the third thing. i you know, okay. just trying to get myself involved. In
1: so coming back to the points that we were making, you know, you were so, talking about the third point there. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. yeah. So third point there is, um, I mean, there's a, there's of course a song that says, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Um, uh, but I think, I, I think uh, a better word for that is sort of the concept of anti fragility, uh, which has been uh, sorted by Nassim Nicholas Taleb, um, and I think talks about how um, it's not just good to be resilient and fragile, but uh, um, if 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 sort of going through that um, only improves you, um, and and you know, that's the concept of sort of anti fragility. I think that's what you should be aiming for. Right. And so, you
1: can, this is so beautiful and powerful. I want our listeners. To I mean, of-
0: uh, a, a bad example would be the mythical creature Hydra, where if you cut off one head, two grows in there in in, in its place. Uh, but I think the idea is that you would that you would sort of push yourself to your intellectual or sort of physical curiosity level as much as possible, where you would suddenly sort of realize, oh, you know what, this is something that else I could do. Whether whether you succeed in what you want to achieve or not doesn't matter. But just just figuring out that you know what, oh, interesting, right? I mean, um, I think something there would be um, again. Sort of cricketing, uh, you know, a cricket example would be sure. No one likes their team to go through a sort of absolute batting collapse, but just exposing number seven, eight, nine uh, to to sort of. More opportunities to back will actually make them better batsmen, right? So, right. I mean, that's the sort of concept of sort of anti fragility there is. Yeah, yeah.
1: Current, the new Marvel movie, Black Widow, also has this line where she keeps referring to her mother saying, Pain will only make you stronger.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, as she said, you know, saw that last night only, so yeah. I can definitely relate to that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, she, she keeps saying that, you know, pain, pain, only, pain only makes pain. you stronger. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, yeah. yeah. Sounds good. Thank you so much. I think uh, we have definitely left our listeners with few more areas to look at you know different perspectives to approach the mm. problem and to claim your best version definitely you have to question things that are comfortable things that are already working things that other people think are great about you mm. And when you spoke about the range example it totally makes sense because if you don't expose yourself if you do not find newer things that you can be good or bad at mm. you will never know what all you can become I, I really like that. That was like my key takeaway from the conversation. Thank you so much. Han. Thank you so much for joining me one more time on the Absolutely Right Podcast. I think from today's episode, if I have to pick up one thing that I'm going to ponder about or my lesson or takeaway, then it would be increasing your range. You know, when we keep doing one thing over and over again, we obviously get trained and we get better at it. But creating the diversity, you know, learning horizontally allows your brain to be activated in the areas in ways that otherwise you might not be aware of. So picking up a new physical regime, mental regime, emotional regime can genuinely add value. And I truly believe in this concept on Apt, which is India's first mental and emotional gym that we started three months ago. We speak about tools like that, without having the need to, without having the challenge at hand to solve a problem, we work on building emotional and mental fitness tools and something that we all require to learn. We meet our mental health when it is crumbling, it's almost like looking at our physical health when we are getting hospitalized for high cholesterol or something else. But for people who build their mental and emotional fitness, they practice these tools on a regular basis and the performance, their ability to deal with or cope up with actual new problems enhances. If you want to join our free workshop or want to know more about this program, then you can go on the link apt, apt 4 If you wish to learn graphology as you are as awestruck as I am or if you want to engage with us on a professional, organizational or personal level, then all the information is available on aditisurana.com. And if you want to give me feedback, tell me how this conversation is shaping you, changing the way you look at life, or which part you actually enjoy, then you can write to me on write, W-R-I-T, at aditisarana.com. I'll see you on Friday with one more episode of the Absolutely Right Podcast. This time, we are in the middle of a graphology series. Till then, happy writing.